think another lie that a lot of people that have grown up in conservative settings believe still is that sexuality is somehow dirty or shameful. Um, we see the world twisting it so much that some Christians react to that by just saying, well, it must just be a bad thing in and of itself, even in marriage. Yeah. And some people don't know that they believe that lie, but it plays out, for example, in their marriage where they're like, I don't think we're supposed to enjoy this too much, or I feel guilty about it still. When couples enter into a marriage where sexual intimacy is a part of the covenant that God designed, Sometimes there are misconceptions about what that sexual relationship should look like. And as you just heard our guest speaking, there are often lies that one or both parties have believed about sex. Graham, you were able to have a conversation with Dr. Julie Slattery when you were in America, and you got to talk about the problems facing many Christian women in the area of sexual intimacy and how these can be addressed and overcome. Yes, Alison, I had a very interesting discussion with Julie about some of the major issues Christian women seem to face regarding their sexuality. It's a topic that's often overlooked, I think, because of the sensitivities involved, and yet mm -hmm. it's affecting marriages all over the world. Uh, yeah, definitely. Well, let's go now to that conversation that you recorded with Dr. Julie Slattery. We get a lot of emails and counseling requests around the topic of intimacy in marriage. And I think it's partly because it's a topic that's not often spoken about. And so sometimes it's a bit mysterious. And yet often there's a lot of pain in this area. Well, today we're going to talk about it and hopefully demystify it a little bit. And I must note that this content won't be appropriate for younger ears. So you'll want to occupy them elsewhere. Our guest today is Dr. Julie Slattery. She's a clinical psychologist, author, and speaker, and wife to Mike and mother of three boys. Uh, she's a familiar voice because she used to co-host the Focus Daily Broadcast, but now she's co-founded Authentic Intimacy and co-authored a Bible study called Passion Pursuit. Julie, it's really great to have you on Focus on the Family Africa. Thanks for being with us today. Uh, it's a joy to be with you, Graham. Well, tell us a little bit more about authentic intimacy, how that came into being and, and mm -hmm. what is that about? We founded Authentic Intimacy in 2012, so we've been going for uh, about five years now. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really was birthed out of God just burdening my heart for the brokenness, particularly that women are experiencing around the topic of sexuality. Yeah. Almost every woman I meet has some story of pain related yeah. to sexuality, whether sure. it's uh, trauma from the past or um, just brokenness in marriage in that area of their life or feeling betrayed mm -hmm. uh, or physical problems or just confusion. I think even within yeah. the Christian church, there's a lot of uh, a lot of silence that leads to confusion. Mm -hmm. So uh, so the ministry really started by a step of faith. Uh, Linda Dillo was my co-founder. And since then, we've just been uh, growing in our ability to reach women, not just married women on the topic of sexuality, but uh, addressing things like pornography, erotica, yeah. addressing, you know, how do you pursue healing from pain from the past? What is God's design for sexuality to start with? Yeah. And then also, Graham, just I think the mounting confusion that we see in our culture about um, about the sexual issues that are talked about and all the changes we're seeing in terms of what's normal. So yeah. our ministry is kind of in the bullseye of all of those issues right now. Wow. And have you found there to be, when you started this ministry, did you see 
such a demand and such a need for it, women coming to you saying help. Oh yeah. yeah. I you know the first few times that we did conferences we were blown away by uh, the number of women that would just wait after uh, to talk and to pray. Yeah. And then what we began to see is we've begun to see that uh, we've really seen an army of women raised up mm. who uh, who have encountered healing themselves and who, whether that's, again, in their marriage or from their past uh, yeah. or just needed truth to, to help them understand yeah. this area of life. And now we feel like we've got a whole bunch of women just – uh, on this mission with us, yeah, and yeah. wanting to reach hurting people wow. in their own worlds, yeah. so we can become uh, a mentors, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. really believe that what we are is a discipleship ministry. Sure. Okay. Uh, I know it sounds weird, but it, <laughs> we disciple women on the topic <laughs> yeah. of sexuality. Yeah. So that means not just one conference or one book, but mm. we want to process through life with them. Yeah. You know, how do you teach your children about this topic, and how do you interact with a coworker that has a very different view of sexuality? Yeah. So. Uh, it's yeah. been really amazing to see the Lord just give us what we need and yeah. to grow the reach of the ministry. You said there's a lot of confusion. What what are some of the lies that women believe when it comes to sexuality? Well, I think there are a, a couple key ones. Yeah. Um, one is not just that women believe, but I think as a, uh, as a modern world we've bought into, which is that sexuality is primarily about my identity and my pleasure. Yeah. And so people make sexual choices now based on what I feel, what I experience, mm. what I want, what's going to make me feel good. And that's what the culture says. Right. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, I think there are a lot of people that follow Christ with most of their life, but they feel like their sexuality is their own thing. Yeah. So, and do you think that's partly because it's not something that's spoken about much within kind of Christian circles? Yeah. Because there's so much silence on yeah. the topic we believe whatever the culture believes. Yeah, yeah. And there really is a vacuum of what does God actually say about sexuality. Yeah. Uh, so that's definitely a major reason. Yeah. Uh, so that would be one of the lies. I think another lie that a lot of people that have grown up in conservative settings believe still is that sexuality is somehow dirty or shameful. Yeah. Um, we see the world twisting it so much that some Christians react to that by just saying, well, it must just be a bad thing in and of itself, even in marriage. Yeah. And some people don't know that they believe that lie, but it plays out, for example, in their marriage where they're like, I don't think we're supposed to enjoy this too much or I feel guilty about it still. Yeah. Um, women also believe the lie that I can never be free from my past. Mm. You know, I'll always be broken or I'll always be tainted in this area of my life. You know, God doesn't really want to heal or redeem mm. this part of my life. Yeah. Uh, so those are some of the main ones we confront. Mm. Well, if we've asked what the lies are, you even said they don't know God's design. What is God's design for this area? Yeah, well, this is why we often don't <laughs> talk about it, because it's really actually pretty complicated. Yeah. You know, God's primary design for our sexuality is uh, to teach us about intimacy, to teach us about something called covenant love. Yeah. And the main message of the Bible, of all that we believe as Christians, is that God loves us with a covenant love with mm -hmm. his people that he's chosen. He gave his son, he sacrificed for us to have an intimate relationship with us. Mm -hmm. And that relationship will be an eternity. Mm -hmm. And that relationship is based on faithfulness. Uh, it's based on love and passion. Mm -hmm. 
And when we look all through scripture, we see that God designed marriage and sexuality within marriage to actually be a physical way that we can understand what covenant love is, what we can understand the importance of faithfulness. You know, if you've been in a marriage where your, your spouse has been unfaithful, you know the devastation of that. Mm-hmm. And God would say in scripture, that's what I feel like when my people are unfaithful to me. Yeah. Uh, with our sexuality and marriage, we see the celebration of love, of giving our bodies to each other and experiencing pleasure. Mm-hmm. And at some level, God would say, there should be great passion and pleasure in your love for me and my love for you. Um, So there's a very spiritual meaning behind our sexuality. And uh, it's tied to this spiritual concept of God's love for us. And again, we see that reflected all throughout scripture, but because that's a deep concept for people to grasp, I don't think a lot of people want to go there and talk about that sexuality is actually very spiritual. Yeah. We tend to keep them completely separate. Yes. And yet there's this, yeah, they're, they're intended to be together. Yeah. Actually, um, one of the things that we say in our ministry is every sexual choice is also a spiritual choice. Yeah. That you can't ever separate the two. Yeah. Uh, and that's why so often sexuality is, is kind of clouded with this guilt or shame because we've never really voiced out loud the spiritual connection to the sexual choices we make. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your encouragement then in your ministry, in in speaking to women um, when it comes to this authentic intimacy and and pursuing what God's design is for this? How do you encourage this to be outworked? Well, I think it often begins with a presenting problem or a pain point. So most most women aren't going to say, I really want to know God's design for my sexuality. They're asking a question like, I'm single. I don't know what to do with my sexual desire. Why would God give me sexual desire and tell me I can't act out on that? I don't understand that. Uh, Or they may be asking a question like, I thought this was going to be a gift in my marriage and something that was a blessing. But instead... Nothing has caused me more hurt in my marriage and sexuality. What's up with that? And so we encourage women to start with that pain point and and that problem that they're really wrestling with. And instead of just talking to your friends about it, begin to to pursue the Lord in the midst of that. And the resources that we have developed, you mentioned Passion Pursuit. We actually have five more books after Passion Pursuit that address some of these presenting problems uh, and lead a woman into what does it look like to search the scripture and begin praying for God's wisdom and healing so that I, I can not only resolve the problem that I have right now, but really start to grasp God's purpose in it. Yeah. So you start with the problem, um, but I suppose the problem can be anything from even just being in a bit of a rut. It mm-hmm. doesn't have to be necessarily a, a deep pain from the past, but it sure. could just be, it's just not, it's just not satisfying or right. it's just not working. Uh-huh. Okay. And, and so let's talk about, um, just some of those difficulties that, what would you say be the most common difficulties that women face? Yeah. Um, yeah. A single woman, the most probably common difficulty would be, again, that question of, I really don't know what my sexuality is for. Yeah. Everybody talks about it being for marriage, but I'm not married, so what do I do? Yeah. Um, so that would definitely okay. be a difficulty and, and sometimes some real shame around yeah. that. 
Um, Also, for women as well as men, um, things like pornography, erotica, that become addictive in nature um, is very common. And uh, then, like you said, just in marriage, whatever barrier there is, um, whether, like you said, it's just it's not exciting, it's not uh, we are in a rut. Mm. Um, we fight about this all the time, and or th- what do whatever. you say to those couples? How do you what do you, how do you address that particular issue? Yeah, well, you got to start with um, the fact that nothing gets better until you put effort into it. Sure. So if you have a couple, for example, that is in debt, they're never going to get out of debt until they say we've <laughs> got to fix this problem. Yeah. And I think with sexuality, couples can go even decades of marriage and never think that way. They just yeah. think, oh, this is never going to be great. We just have too many problems. Instead of saying. Like anything else, this is a problem that we need to focus on Mm. and learn about and start to work towards improving. Um, So we encourage couples couples in that situation to begin with conversations and even prayer time about, you know, God, we don't believe that this is all that you designed it to be in our marriage. Um, Would you help us communicate through that? Would you help us to identify maybe some of the things that have gotten in the way over the years? But then also be intentional about say maybe once or twice a week, saying we are going to plan a time together, a date together where we focus on intimacy. Uh, And that is being sexually active together, but it's also communicating and learning, maybe reading a good Christian book about healthy sexuality. Uh, And when a couple begins to be intentional about building that part of their marriage, they will see that they're growing in that area and they're proving. Yeah. Do you speak primarily to couples or are you often just speaking to women on this topic and how does that how does that difference apply if it's a woman that's coming with a pain point yeah. can you help her on on her own or is it more helpful to have a couple that's saying hey we need some advice and some yeah. direction here yeah we primarily uh, minister to women so yeah. we do have some events that are with husbands and wives yeah. but what we find is that Uh, And I know this is going to really surprise you, but female sexuality is way more complicated than male sexuality. And so often when a woman has been to a conference with men and women, and a lot of times it's a man teaching, he wants to be very simplistic about how to solve really emotional, deep, complicated problems for a woman. And we also find that uh, there are a lot of women, even if they're in healthy marriages, who have at one point time or another been wounded by a man sexually so when you talk about sexuality in a mixed audience they feel very guarded and they don't feel safe they feel vulnerable and so we have conferences of say a thousand women uh, only women who all are there because they are saying I might not be super broken but I know I want to see God do some work in my marriage or in my heart or in my life and um, we do live Q&A where they text in questions and the questions that women ask really minister to the other women Mm. because it's like this huge sigh of relief of well I'm so glad I'm not the only one you know there's so many other women here that are carrying a similar kind of pain or similar questions that can be healing in itself or it can be helpful just to know I think it really is yeah Yeah. but women would never do that in in a marriage conference so I see we I think we see some unique healing Mm. but then we also want to give women tools in terms of now how how does this transfer over into marriage yeah yeah 
You mentioned pornography, or I know you call it counterfeit intimacy. Mm-hmm. How how do you encourage women in that regard facing those issues? Like particularly facing her own issues or her yeah, spouse's, or, or either. Yeah, or in, yeah. I, you know, I think um, first of all, recognizing it as a counterfeit, yeah. and um, you know, recognizing that we are drawn to counterfeits. Um, yeah. First, because we have a legitimate desire and, and God-given yeah. need. Okay. So, uh, so you know, every man or woman who's involved with pornography, that started with a longing. That was probably a healthy longing. Yeah. You know, I want to connect. I want to be loved. You know, I want to, I want to feel sexually satisfied. None of those longings are wrong. Yeah. But what we see the enemy do is he provides the shortcuts, mm-hmm. and he says, "Well, you don't have to." You don't have to wait for a committed relationship or you don't yeah. have to work through problems with your spouse. You can have what you want this way. Sure. Um, so a lot of it is helping women understand how this happens in their life and also in a, in a husband's life. Yeah. But even showing from research, and we have mounting research now that demonstrates that engaging in pornography at the end of the day is going to leave you far less sa- sexually satisfied. Um, there are lots of studies that, um, particularly men that are engaging in pornography, have a very difficult time enjoying normal intimacy with yeah. their spouse. Yeah. Uh, and even people that have no faith in Jesus are saying pornography is poison. Mm. It tricks your brain. It's like a drug. Yeah. Uh, it will enslave you. Um, so you know, painting that kind of picture, I think, is really important. But then also giving a man or a woman steps of okay. I, I realize I've gotten caught in this. Now, what yeah. do I do next? Yeah. You know, how do I begin to get the kind of help I need? Yeah, you suggest that women need to think of man's needs in terms of a three-legged stool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? Describe that analogy. Referring to that, the three-legged school, stool is really looking at the fact that um, every man within marriage has three primary needs that he's looking to be fulfilled in his wife and in essence those needs give a woman great power in the relationship god-given power Mm -hmm. um so those three needs are the three-legged stool number one is respect and we talk a lot in the christian church about men needing respect but uh, can i just tell you women usually don't understand that it's like we acknowledge it but it's like Okay, I respect yeah, you. Yeah. Feel better. Yeah, yeah. Um, we don't really understand the intricacy of yeah. uh, how God has created men to be yeah. very vulnerable yeah. in their ego and their confidence. And so we're we're also quite complicated. As you well, are, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't see it that way, but <laughs> but uh, but in this respect, you are. Okay. Um, I think that every man at some level feels like he's he's either going to be a hero. Or a zero. Okay. You know, he's either going to come through for his family and be somebody that people count on, mm. or he's somebody who's failing. And uh, what I found is that most men feel like they're right on the bubble of that, yeah. and their wife is the one who casts that deciding vote. Sure. So if he comes home and he's had a rough time at work and he feels discouraged, if she's speaking words of life into him and believes in him, mm. then he can weather that storm. Yeah. And I would say the same respect, even if he's being very successful at work, but he comes home and his wife is constantly criticizing yeah. uh, or demeaning him, 
then he's going to feel like he doesn't measure up. So that would be the first uh, leg of the stool is really understanding that like I as a wife have the power to make my husband either feel like a very competent person or somebody that's failing. Mm. And when I realized that as a wife, it really changed the way I interacted with my husband because I wanted to be careful with that power. Yeah. And the second leg of the stool is companionship. And uh, we know in Genesis that it says that God created women, a woman to be the helpmeet or the partner of a man, uh, the other half of a man at some level. And so God has put within a woman things uh, to navigate life that her husband needs to yeah. do this well. Yeah. Um, so, for example, in a, in a lot of situations, the woman is the one kind of translating relationships, you know, helping her husband understand his kids, mm. uh, you know, be sensitive, uh, navigate, you know, just the interpersonal and emotional world. Mm. And uh, if a woman isn't lending her wisdom and her strength to her husband, and I would mm. say also even at times holding him accountable and saying hard truths in love, yeah. then that man really is not as equipped as he could be to be the kind of person God has called them to be, Mm. Uh, that God by design has brought a helper into his life. Um, And then that third leg of the stool is sexuality. Um, Just to be honest, most men get married largely because of a sexual drive. They're attracted to a wife. They want to have Mm. uh, a sexual relationship with somebody that they love. And so that becomes a very important part of their marriage. That's not usually the case for women. Women Mm. kind of see this as a nice little add-on to marriage. Um, But if they don't understand the importance of this to their husbands in marriage, then their husbands can feel very lonely in terms of battling uh, sexual temptation and desire, Mm. feeling like he's got to keep secrets from his wife because she's not sharing that part of his life with him. Mm. Um, So those are kind of the three components that we encourage wives to build into. And are they connected is it i mean is that part of the analogy of the stool and that if you remove one yes the other two kind of fall down yeah 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 and i think you know all of us as women tend to be really good at one or two of these yeah and we kind of justify that we don't need the third because we're good at one or two of them um, when in reality uh, a healthy marriage from a woman's perspective requires that we invest in those three areas yeah yeah and you've alluded to this even now as you spoke about what men need and how women may have different needs. How does that flow into this area of sexuality, the differences between men and women? Yeah, it it's huge. <laughs> you know, I think anyone who's been married for a while would be like, yes, we're definitely different. Um, and our bodies are different. The anatomy is different. Uh, the hormone balance in our body is very different. Our brains are different. And so in general, uh, a man is going to be much more visual. Yeah. Uh, he will seek uh, connection with his wife through sexual intimacy. And actually the hormones in his body bear that out, yeah. that when a man is sexually intimate in a committed relationship, his body releases a very powerful hormone called oxytocin that bonds him to his wife. And women have oxytocin in their bodies if they go on a date with their husband, if uh, they hug each other, hold hands, have a deep conversation. So she's able to bond and feel close with a variety of activities. For him, when he's not feeling close to his wife, that's the primary way that he says he wants to connect with her. Um, So that's just one difference. Um, (laughs) But uh, even within genders, as we know, 
there's personality differences and variances. Not every yeah. couple fits stereotypes, yeah. Yeah. Um, but those are some of the things that are common. And do you find just by understanding and acknowledging those differences that couples can move forward because they recognize, if, if they're committed to um, to a healthy marriage, that if they recognize the differences and some of these other areas we've spoken about, that they can then be intentional about pursuing that greater level of intimacy. Well, Julie Slattery, thank you for being available just to demystify this important area in marriage and in family. And so thank you for being with us. Sure, it was great to be with you. Thank you. Graham, I loved what Julie had to say about the need for couples to be intentional about their sexuality and marriage. And that if there are issues or if they're in a rut, that being intentional about prioritizing their sexual relationship is key to improving that area Mm. of their marriage. Yeah, Alison, I I think a lot of couples are afraid to speak to one another very openly about the sexual relationship in case they cause hurt or because they've been too shy to get into this topic. Mm -hmm. And so they've just accepted that there's this lack of intimate connection for so long that they don't see a solution to their problems as something attainable. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled that Julie is helping women find freedom in the area of their sexuality. In her book, Rethinking Sexuality, she equips you to see how sexuality is rooted in the broader context of God's heart and his work for us on earth and helps you recognize that every sexual question is ultimately a spiritual one. You can find Julie's book online at safamily.co.za or by giving us a call on 31 And if you identify with some of the pain that Julie spoke about, maybe it's trauma from the past or difficulty in your marriage in this area, please get in touch with our counseling team. We have a great team of counselors and we have a range of ways that you can connect. You can give us a call on 031-716-3300 or connect with our counseling team through the counseling page on our website at safamily.com. Thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family Africa. I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to tune in next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.